through <laughs> something that's, uh, you know, stranger than fiction. Uh, so I right as I speak, it's about 12 o'clock p.m. So right now, Biden is supposed to be inaugurated. So there are still probably millions of Americans out there <clears throat> that are literally expecting a last second effort from Trump or somehow, you know, manipulating from Florida or wherever he is uh, to turn the troops on Biden or whatever on the deep state. I, I don't know. But uh, no, no, no. It, it's, it's it's obviously not going to happen. But it's uh, <clears throat> what's most interesting is what's going to happen after. I've talked about this many times. What will happen after Trump to both sides? Because uh, what's left, I mean, and the left is where I should be, and I'm not welcome there now because the, these people are just absolutely insane. You know, you can't have a conversation with people that think they're 57 genders. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how, you, you can't reason with them. So those are the people that have taken over the left. And uh, so there is no, if Mark Lane was alive today, as you mentioned, my mentor, a civil libertarian, he wouldn't, I don't know what he'd be doing. He certainly wouldn't be with him, I don't think. And as a civil libertarian, I believe in free speech. They don't. And, uh, you know, they're talking about they, they may want to prosecute who knows how many people that, that were Trump supporters, which is just unbelievable to me. But uh, what will happen after Trump? Uh, I suspect that Trump will continue to be on the periphery, will hold rallies and, and just do the same stuff he did while he was office, basically, you know, tweet and wait if he ever gets back to tweeting and, and uh, not do anything, which is it was was his presidency. But uh, if he isn't, if he somehow decides to do, you know, what would be more, I think, uh, you know, rational to just leave it all behind and a billionaire, uh, I don't know what the left will do without him because they have uh, made him, they've, they've made him there. I've, I've compared him many times to Emmanuel Goldstein in Orwell's 1984, uh, where, you know, he was the fake opposition leader and they would, uh, they would put his face on screen and the party members would go every day and they'd have a two minute hate. And only with Trump, it's <laughs> yeah. Trump, it's 24 seven hate. So uh, without their Goldstein, I don't know, maybe they, they may transfer the hatred onto all the supporters. But, you know, that's 75 million people. I, I don't know how you can do that, but maybe they'll do that. And of course, the, the, the right is completely lost now because they put all their apples into one basket. They, they went after this, this. They bought into this personality. And uh, they, 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 the whole Q thing, most of the biggest podcasts that I've been on over the years uh, were Q centric, were people because they had the biggest fan base by far. Right, for sure. And so, uh, I, and, and I don't know what they're going to do because so many, these are good people, but they bought into it. They're vested into it. Uh, obviously, the plan is gone. Uh, there were no arrests, there were no sealed indictments. Uh, there were no perp walks uh, there. You know, there's it's, it's, you know, it's ludicrous to still. But I, I don't know. Maybe they're somehow going to maintain it with Biden in office. But I don't know how you go on because Trump, his personality completely took over and transformed American politics, made it all about him. So with him gone, I, don't, I hope the left, you know, a lot of my friends in the JFK assassination community, especially regain their sanity and realize that. George W. Bush isn't a good guy, you know, and the intelligence agency shouldn't be trusted because that's what they did because they went against Trump. So as long as you went against Trump, uh, you were cool. And I've uh, I've said I've been on the record that I think that uh, if Adolf Hitler could come back today and uh, just walk around American society, he could literally anything he would redeem his reputation completely. All he'd have to do is criticize Trump and say Trump was horrible. Yeah, that would be, no, that's, that's a great observation. And I think that the uh, this cult of Trump haters is so uh, 
over the top and so so bizarre that uh, I, I, you're right. I mean, I, I had the same thought maybe a week ago when I was thinking, what are they going to do now if what the Trump was with Trump's leaving town? I mean, where is all? I mean, their entire existence seems to be based upon building up this hate. And, and in fact, we could even broad, more broadly say that that's what the left does. I mean, they have to have an enemy to hate. That's why Adolf Hitler picked the Jews, you know, because he was a, a good communistic leftist. And in order to advance their agenda, whatever it may be, they need to have a, an object to focus their, to vent right. their spleen on. And uh, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do now that uh, President Trump has retired. I mean, I, I've heard rumblings that they're going to continue to investigate him. Yeah. They, I mean, the New York Attorney General, whose entire career seems to be focused on getting Trump, they're investigating, you know, him, every family member, every business, anyone who ever was seen with him in a hotel lobby, I mean, is going to be investigated in yeah. New York State. And uh, well, and I think that more troubling than that, and that's just, they'll chase him down right to the grave. I mean, they're going to try to put him in jail. I mean, the, you know, is the fact that, that they very well may, and in fact, there's evidence that they're going to go after anyone who's ever supported President Trump. Yeah, yeah. And that includes me. And, uh, you know, they're going to, we're going to be censored. We're going to be marginalized. They came up with this final narrative that, Somehow he was responsible for an insurrection, which means that he's a terrorist, and as are we all. Yeah. And uh, in spite of the fact that more and more evidence is coming out that, as I said a week before the rally in uh, in Washington, that there was going to be was going to be threaded with Antifa people dressed in Trump garb. That doesn't matter. The fact is they're going to stick the, with this. Was their final denouement? Their final lie. You know, that as he's leaving the door, their final attempt to try to take him down and by extension, all of the rest of us. Now, having said all this, I want to be clear. I recognize Joe Biden as the president of the United States and Kamala Harris as the vice president of the United States. They've been sworn in. I respect our constitution. I respect our system of government. I am moved by it, actually. I feel proud that we have gone through another transfer of power peacefully and that everything went peacefully. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think that that is the hallmark of, a, of the greatness of our nation. You know, we, we haven't had violent revolutions. We haven't had coup d'etats, at least not in the violent sense. We could argue whether or not <laughs> Trump won, and I do believe he did by an overwhelming margin. However, you know, Biden is now president, and I recognize it. Having said that, I do think we have to continue to investigate and uh, the, the election fraud. We have to get rid of the Dominion voting machines. I don't care if they say that they were not problematic. We can't have electric voting. That's too open to fraud. Most countries in the world have not done it and they've gotten rid of it. And we have to do it the old fashioned way. We have to have people, observers, on both parties in the open, sitting at a table with, with the media there, counting every single vote so that this doesn't happen again. And we have to have national ID. Well, and you have to, I mean, Europe, because uh, we, we are, I'm, I'm calling America now the wealthiest banana republic the world's ever seen. I, I think we're totally third world. And uh, our elections certainly are. You know, if you, if you look at the way Europe conducts their elections, they don't allow mail-in mail -in ballots. 
but, and they require and they require a photo ID for fact, obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. No, and, I mean, in Mexico, you actually have to have a fingerprint when you go vote. Yes, yeah, a lot, and a lot of these so-called third Venezuela. I, I talked to somebody that was in an election years ago, and he, that uh, I think it was Venezuela, or one one of the nations down there, uh, where they just simply just to prevent people from voting more than once, they treated you like if you enter a bar. They uh, they just made you uh, take a thumbprint, you know, basically put your th thumb in ink so they would know right. you, you can't come back. I mean, it's very simple precaution, but we apparently can't do that. But I think we, the, we the, can't do it because we had this phony AstroTurf group funded by George Soros called the Brennan Institute that pushed this idea that somehow having voter ID meant you had something against black men. And it's racist. Exactly. And it's so demeaning, it's, it's, like like itself is racist i mean what you know, saying? A exactly. black person is not you know this kind of like doesn't have an id it's <laughs> kind of paternalistic absolutely old, rudyard kipling white man's burden view of black people that somehow they they're like children yes. everybody can get an id they should be made free i agree with right. that you know during in october nancy pelosi salted into the um, covid 19 stimulus bill I think it was uh, like several billion dollars for election reform. Fine. <laughs> you know, out of that money, you know, which all probably goes to pockets of their friends. Yeah. We could put in a little bit of money to make sure that every American can get a, a photo ID for free and right. make it easy and, and make it accessible. It's not brain surgery. It can be done. Absolutely. And it's it just it's the idea that. Uh, and you're exactly right. And this is what I most fear about what's happening now is that we because uh, you end up like, you know, I, I end up sounding like a, a white nationalist or something. And, and, and that's not my intention. But the problem is I am white. I have white children. I'll probably have white grandchildren one day. I don't I don't want them growing up in a country where they're basically, you know, figuratively sent to the back of the bus. And I think this is what is happening is that they are. Uh, I mean, you know, when you have. Uh, you know, the, the demeaning, the thing we can't say, and, and it's, you know, either, either stereotypes and generalization are wrong as people like me, who I grew up a liberal. Uh, I used to listen to the speeches of Martin Luther King, and obviously I love the Kennedys. Uh, so I believe that, uh, that stereotypes are wrong. That if you said, you know, all blacks are stupid or all blacks are lazy or whatever, which a lot of people did back then, that, right. that was, it wasn't right to demean a whole race. But the problem is now, of course, you can't say anything literally about, you know, you can't say that a particular black is ugly, for instance, or something. Then somehow you're a racist. So it gets, but, but you can say whatever you want about whites. And you, you don't have to say some whites. It's, you know, like whites are racist, whites are this or that. And it's like, so you're talking about generalizing there. Why is it okay for you to do that? I mean, it's the same thing where you're not going to get in trouble if you say, you know, uh, trailer park trash or white trash. That's fine. Perfectly acceptable. We saw that with Anderson Cooper, the CIA intern off of guns, who demeaned the entire crowd of Trump supporters by, by saying, oh, they're going to go back to eat at Olive Garden and go back to Holiday Inn. Now, just just change that to a Black Lives Matter crowd. And what would have happened to a reporter that said, oh, they're going to go back to Popeye's fried chicken? I mean, he would have been fired before he could drop the microphone. I mean, that that's so you can't well, well, they, base, they base it on the idea of of white privilege and that somehow being white in this country gives you advantages and that there's kind of secretive sort of almost subconscious racial profiling of, of people who are not white. And, and, you know, I think there is some truth to that. But I think that uh, the answer is not to do reverse racism. 
The answer is not to emphasize their race identity because different people relate to their race or non-race in any way they want. And right. that this whole business of the, um, you know, the, the kind of the microaggression theory, which is really used as a weapon against anyone that's not on the left, that it's basically fanning the flames of racial division and that maybe it very well may lead to a, a white supremacist backlash among probably more poor black, poor white men, younger right. men who feel disenfranchised and who feel shut out sure. and who feel that they, they're getting opportunities taken away from them. And, and I wonder if the whole enterprise isn't being deliberately set up that way to create division you know, we've yeah. always heard about how the, the Russians back in the, the Kremlin times and even probably today and how communism tries to sow division and, and uh, anger and, and, con and, and conflict in a society that they target. Back this, is what, this is what communism is, class conflict. Instead, they replaced class conflict with race conflict. Uh, you had, um, who was the philosopher? Franz Fanon, the... Uh, the Marxist uh, philosopher from uh, from Barbados, I think, who wrote the book called The Wretched of the Earth, where he said in the 1960s that the new paradigm, the new dialectic for communism would not be race, would not be class conflict, but race conflict. And that, right. uh, you know, so, so we have an agenda here, which is going to exacerbate, which forces people to identify themselves based upon race, which is a false construct anyway. And then once they do so, it pits them against each other. So we have to reject both sides, but we also have to take a look at the motive, who, who benefits, who, who, what is the motivation behind that kind of thing. But coming back to the election, again, I think that this idea that somehow you, you know, voter ID is racist, that's racist. You know, that, that's setting up a false paradigm because everyone can get a, a basic ID so that we can ensure a, a, a principle that it used to be advocated by the civil rights movement in the 1960s, which is one man, one vote. You know, wasn't right, that what the right. Voting Rights Act was supposed to be all about in 1965? Yeah, and, and you know, that's, and that's the entire, I, may, I draw these analogies over and over again to the old left where, uh, you know, that rightly, obviously objected, first of all, to in the 50s, you had the witch hunt, where people were going after calling people commies and fellow travelers and reds and pinkos and all that. Uh, and, you know, it, it wasn't McCarthy that did that, by the way, it's historically inaccurate. That was a House on American Activities Committee, which nobody right. talks about, which, which was, was which was a which which House committee and McCarthy was a senator. Right. And, and, and he, by the way, he, we should just let's just touch on that a little bit, just for historical accuracy. OK, the House Un-American Activities Committee, which is actually called the House Committee on Un-American Activities. It was set up in the late 1930s by by uh, Congressman Dick Stein and Congressman McCormick of Massachusetts to look at Nazis that had infiltrated right. the government. And then after after Pearl Harbor and after the United States became embroiled in World War Two, the emphasis shifted to communists, both of which were involved in espionage and subversion inside the United States. Um, yeah, it was just that simple. It had nothing to do. Joe McCarthy came around later, right? But but it, but the, the 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 thing was that they even the terminology that the right used in those days. I mean, I've seen people call uh, Trump supporters subversives. 
the traitors thing is thrown no, around no, constantly. It, Treason, terrorists. I mean, I've, I've, terrorists. Yeah, I mean, it's the exact same thing. And they're and and not only that, you have on that front. It's unbelievable to me that the, these are the people that and these exact same people that rightly wanted to us not to go to war with the Soviet Union. Now they're chanting Russia, Russia, Russia. They're demonizing the same group when they're not running half oh, the world. The new, like it's the new red scare. And it's, it's yeah. probably it was the biggest deliberate conspiracy theory of our times. You know, people criticize you, Don, as an author. They criticize me as being, you know, like tin hat conspiracy. Talk about conspiracies. I mean, this was a officially sanctioned and promoted conspiracy theory that was about as weird as any that had been coming along the pike. And basically what it comes down to is the accusation that Donald Trump was spying for Russia. Completely, utterly ridiculous and false. They spent, you know, $40 million basically, you know, putting people up against the wall and throwing them in prison for things that are not, you know, and, and just terrorizing, frankly, an administration that was trying to proceed with the business it was elected to do and trying to hobble it. And that's what it was all about. It was, it was really unbelievable. Well, the first state state sanctioned conspiracy theory we've ever had. And, and this is the, the, the people it's unbelievable to me when you have the establishment media promoting something. And yeah, I wrote many articles about this uh, for the American Free Press, which I write for regularly. But, you know, so you not only had that, but you also have I pointed this out many times what, what the new left or whatever you want know, the woke left, whatever they all call themselves, the social justice warriors. They are also turning the, they, I, they are basically the anti-civil rights movement, what they're doing now. They're turning civil rights. I mean, when you do things like run people out of restaurants, as they did to Sarah Huckabee Sanders and others, and the restaurant owner ran her out. And I said, you know, the whole civil rights movement wasn't the, the purpose behind that is that you, the private business doesn't have a right to deny uh, someone the right to eat there at the restaurant because of how they look. And that was the whole yeah. idea. So, I mean, now you have Harvard talking about rescinding yes. diplomacy yes. Yes. people who are publicly supporting President Trump. And you've got, what do you think is going to happen with that, Don? Do you think that there really is going to be a major witch hunt? I mean, we already have seen the parlor uh, app taken down. I mean, I think yeah. it's coming back, but it had nothing to do with anybody in, you know, breaching the Capitol. It, it was a conservative site that was competing with the big tech particularly Twitter. And Twitter got together and conspired, I understand, with Google and Apple to take them down. And they were, it was a huge uh, website. It had picked up beyond, beyond Twitter even. And, um, and then, of course, they, they, they have censored the president of the United States, Donald Trump, who had, I think, several, multiple, probably 10, 20 million followers. They simply took him down. And did so to a lot of other people. I mean, even taking down Parler. You're talking about people who had accounts on Parler and Twitter where they had hundreds of thousands of followers. Now they have been censored. No one is going to hear them now. It's like they've disappeared into the memory hole. Right. You talked right. about George Orwell. I mean, this is yeah. complete. And, and, this, and the same argument is used there. The, the, the left suddenly loves free enterprise because they thought, well, it's, a, it's a, there's a private company. They don't have rights. to. Okay, well, then. Restaurants are private companies. Stores are private companies. About I don't want black people in here. Is that okay? Well, I mean, the, the analogy is the same. Why, why can't they do that when the, you, they can say, well, you know, they're disrepresented uh, proportionately, disproportionately represented in crime rates. So I, that's why I'm not going to have them. They might steal. 
And we'd recognize that you can't do that. But what to say, well, I don't want you on Twitter because you might say something hateful. You might inspire somebody. I mean, you either have free speech or you don't. But the left doesn't want free speech. And the left today, people like Mark Lane, Nat Hentoff, another great civil libertarian in the past, William O. Douglas, the last great Supreme Court justice we had, they would not recognize, not to mention the JFK and RFK, Martin Luther King, they would not recognize today's left. And they'd all be smeared, like I said, by his own words. Martin Luther King is a white supremacist by saying judge people by you know, the content of their character because you all aren't doing that. And JFK said right. race has no place in American life or law. So, you know. Exactly. The whole idea of, um, of, of transcending race and focusing on people's accomplishments, that in and of itself, I think they would probably call racist as if somehow black people aren't accomplished. Who's really the racist? But uh, here we are now with the new administration. We've talked about censoring opinions, which is really ugly in this country and which is something that should be troubling everybody. What else do you think we can expect from, from this establishment? Do you think that the, I mean, I don't think Joe Biden as a person is all that strong. I think he's elderly and I don't think he has full command of his faculties. I don't mean, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that as an, as an observation. So that tells me that there are going to be people around him who are gonna be calling the shots do you think that that's going to include people? I mean, are they going to go far left? Are they going to go like, you know, like Sandy or Kez, whatever her name is, and, and start to, um, you know, put together, you know, enemies lists and, and have people prosecuted and, and, and not allowed to have you know, jobs? I mean, they're talking about anybody associated with the Trump administration not allowed to yeah. get, you know, yeah. to get into positions. Talking about blacklisting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I, and, I, I and hope it could be worse and it could get worse. What, what yeah. is going to happen with all well, that? Well, I'm obviously frightened of that prospect, but I, I, I hope if uh, history holds true, uh, the, that rhetoric will not turn into reality. Now, but I don't know. I, you know, the fact that people are proposing some of these things is, is mind boggling, but I think our only hope is because, again, the Republicans being the stupid party that they are, I think and I think the Republican Party is dead, by the way, I don't think there'll never be another Republican president and they'll be marginalized to the point where hopefully another party that hopefully it's populist libertarian will fill the void. But as it stands right now, they're no opposition to what there's the one. Basically, we are an Orwell's one party. There's a party in power. And the other, the opposition is loyal opposition. There's very few of them opposed to it. They want to get rid of the Josh Hawley types that, you know, that actually showed some promise because he spoke up against electoral fraud. Uh, so I, I hope, though, you mentioned AOC and people like and the squad, people like that. I hope that the more radical ones in the Democratic Party, hopefully they'll form their own gridlock with the old guard, the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chucky uh, Schumer's and people like that. I'm hoping, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, but, and, and you had the old fashioned jealousy. Obviously, Nancy Pelosi wants to be large and in charge, and she may resent AOC and the younger people getting the press and acting like they're in charge. So I'm hoping they have the fight against themselves, but that's really our only hope because, I mean, I heard today that, uh, you know, I, I fear this reparations nonsense, which is just going to talk about exacerbating the divide in this country, not to mention it's, it's about as absurd an idea and unjust idea as possible. There's a guy in Oregon who was introduced a bill in Oregon. Keep in mind, Oregon was always a free state. No history with slavery. None. He's introducing a bill to give every, you know, the African-Americans in their state. Now, supposedly they're going to have to prove their, you know, their ancestry from slavery. I, I don't believe that. 
$120,000 a year until they die. I mean, this is, and some of these people complain about welfare and wanting to help people that really need help. And you're going to give people $120,000 a year just because they're black. And if that isn't divisive, what is it? And so if something like that passes, you can certainly look for California and New York, the most woke states well, to that, follow. I suppose we could have, you know, people have have blood tests to find out how much black ancestry they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. going to be like, you know, the, what, what is going to be the one drop theory? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, this, it's the same thing. They're going to use the same thing. Maybe it's, it's the same. I mean, it's crazy. Maybe they'll have a, a sliding scale of reparations where, you know, okay, you're half black, so you get half. I mean, this is, it's, it's mind boggling. How is that, well, you know, how is it supposed to bring the country together when you're calling Trump supporters and Trump, you know, divisive for complaining about the election, but you're impeaching him again with, you know, a couple of days left. Yeah. Like, that's not divisive. I mean, look, I think that you've, you've illustrated pretty well, Don, the, um, the, in a way, the possible takeover by the Democrats of the far left and the possible takeover of the Republican Party by the right. I think that that actually is not a bad thing in that we really will have a, a great ideological difference between the two parties. And, uh, you know, if the left, if the Democrats are controlled by Bernie Sanders and, and the left and they get rid of the moderate Democrats and likewise Republicans, I, I find that interesting. You know, I find that to be something that we actually can then have a real public debate in the public square. Um, I do think that there is a movement in this country that actually transcends Democrat and Republican that is nationalist, populist, traditionalist, yes. libertarian, and conservative. And it's kind of a, a coalition of those, those groups. Um, and that uh, the conservative side has always been much more diverse ideologically anyways. And I think that that could eventually, that may be forming a new party. I don't know, or just, you know, to get rid of the Mitt Romneys. I mean, you saw like, uh, yes. you know, you had a couple of the, the rhinos actually vote for impeachment. Yeah. And yeah. in the case of Lynn Cheney in, in, um, yes. in, in Wyoming, she is now going to be primaried. I mean, she's being vilified that the party there has never seen such a reaction. And yeah. uh, I think that, that that could be actually a good thing in that the Republican Party will either come to stand for several things that are real, or they will have to be, you know, they'll, they'll go the way of the Whigs and we'll yeah. have new, maybe we'll have the new um, populist party or something. And like yeah, well, I, the Democrats, they'll get rid of the Pelosi's. You know, they yeah. will they will move. Now, let's talk a little bit about Don Jeffries, what you think is coming down the pike in terms of the new Biden-Harris administration. And before we do that, let me give out the phone number. This is an open lines program. We do take calls. We take them live. Please observe community standards when you call. If you don't, I'm going to hang up very quickly. 617 396-4958-617-396-4958. You're welcome to join myself, Charles Moskowitz, and my guest, Donald Jeffries, who is the author of a whole shelf of books at Amazon. So, Donald, what do you see coming up in terms of the new administration right out of the gate? Well, again, I, I don't see anything good. As you say, I, I would support it. You know, it's, it's anybody. It's, that's the way I treated Trump. But I, I just have I couldn't have lower expectations in terms of it. I, I think that everything being pushed 
on Biden. And as you noted, by the, I don't think Biden's in control. He's probably less in control than any president we've ever seen, simply right. because he appears to have, you know, I don't know if it's dementia or whatever. I mean, right. he's, he's, he's almost 80 years. He's yeah, playing, he, not playing with a full deck. Right, right. So he's got he's got a very aggressive and, and ambitious vice president behind him. He's going to have a, a, a people around him that are the tip of usual suspects. I and mean, I've seen them and uh, none of them are good appointees. But, you know, to be fair, none of Trump appointees were good either. So but they usually aren't. They don't they don't they, they appoint the same kind of CFR types that are, you know, that are that are career people that are indoctrinated into the globalists. Yeah. The so that that's what they're good. But it, it, we have to hope that it just turns into a uh, if it's if it's it's just what Obama did, because Obama was mostly sound and fury signified nothing as well as Trump. Not quite as much, but he certainly didn't. He didn't do anything really outlandish until near the end, DACA, that kind of thing. But other than that, uh, if if Biden does indeed give amnesty to all the illegal immigrants here, and that that is of all the disappointments of the Trump administration by far the most disappointing, the fact that he didn't that was our absolute last chance to uh, to close the barn door because uh, millions and millions that that's going to change the demographics officially in America so that the Republican Party is voting itself into extinction with their lust for cheap labor. So you're going to do that. It's going to overtax the system because these people are, and as I wrote about my book in Survival of the Richest, half of America, and that was 2017, it's gotten much worse now with the pandemic and everything, the lockdown and all this. Uh, half of America had nothing then, less than 1% of the collective melt, the bottom, the bottom 50%. You have millions more people entering the very bottom, which are what all these illegal immigrants are going to be. They're desperately poor. You're going to increase that bottom 50%. And you bring migrants in, you're going to increase that. You bring more H-1B visa workers, which again, Trump promised to end. Instead, the Senate voted unanimously last month to lift all caps on countries with H-1B foreign visa workers. You have millions uh, less workers. That's American not just American labor, but American uh, professional development. I mean, people who oh, doctors know, and, yeah. in the country and who have, went to college and spent, you know, and got careers, right. they're going to have to compete with people coming in from India and China who, right. who will be hired because they're cheaper. You yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. The lust for cheap labor. And, you know, it's 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 amazing to me that 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 they, the Republicans especially are so short sighted to not see what the long-term uh, problem with this is. And so what is happening is because you have 20% at the top that is doing really well, including obviously the 1% is just doing imaginable, but there's 20% that are the professionals that manage this mess that do really well. The 80% below struggle in varying degrees. The bottom 50% has nothing. So that leaves you with about 30% that's barely clinging to what used to be America, the, the middle class. And that's what they're desperately squeezing out. That's why the lockdown was so uh, devastating, because they got rid of so many mom and pop businesses, which is what they want. I mean, the fact that they didn't tell Walmart and Target and Home Depot, they were open the entire time selling the same products as the five and 10 cent store that at, at point almost gunpoint was said, no, you cannot open. And when they tried to open up, you can see what happened. They sent the cops in, they tried to uh, prosecute them. Uh, and nobody questions it. You know what, if it's dangerous for a, a small store to be open, how is it not dangerous for a much bigger store with a much a larger uh, group of, uh, of, of shoppers? Well, and also, let, me, let me just interject here. I, I've heard that um, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York and Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago, both liberal Dems, are calling for the immediate reopening of their cities and their states. Now that the political situation has been resolved, now that Trump has been driven out of office yeah. and sent home, 
Now they suddenly want to reopen, which by the way, shows a really banal, a great banality, the fact that they might have, and I'm not saying they did, but that they might have actually extended the shutdown just for political reasons to try to hurt the economy, to try to hurt Trump. I mean, how many people were hurt by that? How many suicides? How many children who had their education interrupted and you know, depression and, 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 and people not getting proper medical treatment and all the rest, just so they could you know, get Trump out of office, if that's true. And I think it, it probably is true. Yeah, it's absolutely. And, and it's, I, I mean, I've written a lot about the. the it was obviously, uh, I think, a planned thing. That's why we call it a pandemic. And uh, but so with everything that's happened, the country has been transformed so much within the last year because of that, because of the and, and the fact that, uh, Charles, that they can they can do something like what we saw last summer. And I keep trying to throw examples, videos, words back into the faces of these people, my former friends on the left, and you cannot reason with them when I talk about, okay, look, you know, I mean, you can look at Nancy Pelosi and all these other AOC, all of them saying these protests were necessary. Uh, Chris Cuomo, they're during the summer, Chris Cuomo says, whoever said that protests have to be nonviolent? And these are, and these are the exact same people. I know, talk about insurrections. I mean, yes. <laughs> talk- last, last summer, they were there looting black businesses, burning yep. black neighborhoods and killing black people. And, uh, and, you know, all in the name of civil rights. And uh, President Trump tried to call out the National Guard, but I mean, he was so hard, roundly criticized for doing that, that, uh, you know, there were calls to have him, you know, put yes. in prison for this. So yes, back down. Now yeah. all of a sudden they've got you know six thousand troops. In <laughs> yeah, and and, and you have if if you look at the video of the so-called insurrection at the Capitol, uh, you know if you, if you look at that, that, there are videos out there for anyone to see of the police waving people inside, going in, basically escorting them in. Well, and, and- we, you know we we can revisit that one. I mean, I think that that there were people, as the president might have said, there were people on both sides. On that. Oh, sure, sure. And, and there were there were people that, that the ones that broke windows. I think the vanguard, the real activists, the ones who really were breaking down windows and yes, right, were, were anti for people like this guy, uh, John Sullivan. And right. He, and he right. was working completely along with the that CNN uh, photographer and journalist. And, uh, you know, and I think that Trump people followed them in and including Proud Boys and the people yeah. dressed in all kinds of outfits and you know, yeah, yeah, you, you had some weird, you know, kind of the Q people and and, yeah. and people involved in the lizards people conspiracy and all this sure, kind of stuff. Sure. And it just turned into a motley mess. But um, you know, I think at the end of the day, we'll see who who really were the main instigators. Yeah, I mean, and it's a, whoever whoever to the the question yeah. of what's happening now. My understanding is that uh, the new president is going to be signing a whole flock of executive orders, undoing. <laughs> yeah things that President Trump had done, and some of them are pretty troubling. Getting rid of the, you know, the Keystone Pipeline, you know, for the first time in American, modern American history, this country was energy independent. We did not depend on foreign oil. And it was a, a big part of the boom that, that occurred in the Trump years. Are we now going to go back to this kind of in, you know, dependence and, and, and interaction with international oil interests. You know, this is like, um, it's really short-sighted. Also, I believe that he is stopping the for any further construction on the border wall. And this is happening at a time 
when caravans are forming in, in Central America, moving north, and they're, they're chanting Biden, Biden, Biden. And, um, you know, we're going to go back to the time when you have a huge incursion of illegal aliens in this country and not registered, bringing with them crime, drugs, you know, everything else. And so, you know, these are really significant developments. I think he's also undoing the, um, I mean, he's, he's rejoining the Paris, peace, uh, the Paris Climate Agreement, which is nothing but a, a big fat payoff to international bureaucrats. It doesn't do a damn thing to reduce carbon in the atmosphere. It's sort of a re, we're going to be re-entangling ourselves into this new, into the new world order. You know, I mean, whatever they want to call it, the great reset they're calling it now. Yeah, well, I think I think that any anything Biden does uh, will almost certainly ninety nine point nine percent be something bad. And America is so already we're at the precipice. Uh, just we, just what has happened in the last year, four year and four years of Trump, which were raised expectations, false hopes, uh, bringing the uh, bringing the roaches out. And the, the, you know, Trump did serve to bring the roaches out into the light. So people under uh, people that are awake anyhow saw the extent of the corruption and, and the he lockdown. Didn't do enough job. He didn't, yeah, the, I mean, we found out that they were so embedded in, in, in his yeah. own administration, even in his own White House. Right. And, that, the, and the, the, you know, that he really he really didn't do that. I mean, that's that's I criticized Trump for that. I mean, even though he did yeah. did it went a long way. Yeah. And um, you know, he accomplished a lot in spite of them. They still were there sabotaging him at every step of the way, spying on him, dropping right. time on his, him. I mean, it was exactly. horrible. And in his presence, but just his presence served to bring these people out uh, into the light. And the lockdown served to, to make, I should make American realize just how horrible the leadership is at all levels, because nobody knew who Lori Lightfoot was before. Or the transgender guy from Pennsylvania who's now going to be uh, you know, some big position in. in uh, and, and by the way, it's like a, yeah, this being Levine, uh, I think Marjorie Levine or something. Levine, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and let me just say the issue with them, with her, him, is that um, during the um, the lockdown, yes, when um, when certain blue state governors, like in this case Governor Wolf of of, of, of Pennsylvania were putting COVID-19 active people in nursing homes, which to my way of thinking is genocidal. Yeah. And we should look at the fact that I think it's at least half of the deaths from COVID came from nursing homes, the most vulnerable population. They were doing that against federal guidelines. Mm -hmm. She removed her 95 year old mother from a nursing home <laughs> just before yeah. this policy went into effect. I hope that's brought up during the hearings, I would still like to hear an explanation from their governor, from, from Cuomo, from uh, Whitmar of Michigan, and from Newsom of California, all of whom did this atrocious policy. And it yeah. was completely unnecessary. I mean, in New York, you had the medical ship, the, uh, the, the naval vessel right off the coast in Manhattan Harbor, empty. They yeah. could have easily put the COVID people in there. That's what they were there for. Instead, they put them in nursing homes.
And yet we were told, you know, the hospitals were overflowing. They didn't know where to put the bodies. And yet they had that ship there that was empty. And you had Jason Goodman and lots of people going around New York filming in the empty hospitals. So I, I'm not sure where the where it was. And just like, you no, know, I said nursing homes where there was the most vulnerable people. I mean, it's one of right. the, these policies that I think there should be a reckoning. And meanwhile, Cuomo shelves are groaning under the weight of all the awards he's getting. Oh, he's an Emmy Award winner. Yeah, it's sure. sure. I mean, it's really. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, now that the Biden's in office, I mean, I, I fear that all of this stuff is going to get swept under the rug. We're yeah. never going to see an end to, um, you know, persecuting anyone who's really looking at corruption. And I mean, the, the whole thing. Look, I mean, again, I respect the fact that he is the president and I'm loyal to this country because of uh, out of that. But, you know, we're returning to the time of mediocrity of internationalism, we're no longer gonna be putting the interests of our own nation first, and they're gonna glorify in that. And uh, it's sad, you know, it's just, it's such a squandered opportunity that you have this guy like Trump coming out of nowhere and offering his services to the country and, and, and leading an incredibly successful administration by any metric. And can he would have been twice as successful if he hadn't had to deal with all these conspiracies against him. And now yeah. we're going back to the rotten, old, mediocre <laughs> days of Obama. I mean, Trump, as he was leaving, he made one comment that I think is really illustrative in that he pointed out that, you know, he should be credited with creating the vaccine for the COVID-19 virus. And that had Obama been in charge or Biden, we would never have gotten the vaccine that quickly. It would have taken years. It would have made, probably never happened. And that's what we're getting into now. We're going back to those days where you have this big, fat, corrupt, overstuffed government where people are making rules and laws outside of, of, of Congress and, and doing so based upon their own fat interests. Right. And, and, and it's, it's again, it's the ascension of identity politics. And the reason identity politics is so dangerous is because it's not liberalism. It's the antithesis of classical liberalism. It, it basically it is uh, it's it superimposes emotion where it where reason should prevail. And that's why you see why why the Trump uh, legal team failed in 60 of 61 courtrooms, because that's our legal system. You know, now. This it's, is really shocking. I mean, you know, I hope that that we continue to research it. I just published a quick book, you know, I mean, I, I cranked it right out on this subject called We Are All Socialists Now, the deplorable looks of the 2020 election. And, and that we found out that not only was our media completely corrupt, there was no investigation of the voter fraud, no, other than scorn and mocking. No one looked at the affidavits. No one interviewed the people who were witnesses. No one really looked at the the data abnormalities that occurred in those states, nothing. Instead, they just simply threw heaped mockery on anyone who did. And then of course, we expected to have an independent judiciary on the state and federal level, including the Supreme Court, who would actually hear this evidence and who would bring it into the courtroom where it could be discussed, it could be debated, it could be challenged. We could kick it around and find out what's real. That's what the court system is supposed to do. But the problem is it never reached that far, except in one case, and that was in Wisconsin, where a federal judge did hear the evidence that there were 125,000 ballots Ill, uh, unlawfully cast. And his response to it was, well, yes, 
that I, yeah, I see that, but I'm not going to rule on it because if I did, it might change the outcome of the election. So, yeah. you know, they talk about corrupt. I mean, that's like, you know, having a murder trial and saying, oh, well, I'm going to throw this up because we all like this guy. You know, he's popular. He's a rock singer. I don't know. So we're not going to look at the evidence because it's too controversial. I mean, it's just corrupt. It's yeah, corrupt. it's the, the, the corruption is, is so. And I think that's one thing that is shown. But again, we have such a divisive country that no matter how corrupt things have proven to be, the people, because of Trump's personality, uh, because he, he caused, caused this Trump derangement syndrome, the people that have Trump derangement syndrome literally don't care. They did not. They would have supported a military coup. They would have probably cheered if he'd been assassinated. Their hatred for him is beyond belief. They can make jokes about, you know, at that time, his 10 year old son being in a, you know, a, a cage with pedophiles. They, they make fun of the most beautiful first lady. We've ever, I mean, just on the surface, she's a former supermodel. I mean, whatever you think and of her. She was never featured on the cover of a major magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they never continued. interviewed no one. You know, it's, it's yeah. the first time. To, I mean, every first lady going back to Martha Washington yeah. had an interview where they asked, you know, what is your favorite, you know, you know, meals and how they took yeah. their hairstyle and, and you know, yeah. the, the fashion. Nothing. Nothing. No. There was no respect given at all. It no, was really despicable. It wasn't, especially because of the fact she's on. I mean, and America is so superficial, typically. So, you know, you know, supermodels are tip, are not usually treated that harshly in the media. No. But it, I mean, deny, I mean, to deny that she's attractive is absurd. And uh, but that's what they do. They actually make fun of her out wardrobe and stuff, which is you know, mad. Try that with Michelle Obama. And see how far you get. I mean, this is the double standard is is ridiculous. But again, it's part of the new the left uh, can make fun of people. What do you think happened? I mean, I mean, I think that I get the fact that, you know, you know there are two types of, of Trump haters. I mean, as I see it, there are the insider Trump haters, you know, people like James Comey and, uh, you know, Brennan and, and Clapper. These are people who are conspiring to remove him from office. And, uh you know, because they didn't like his political agenda, not because they didn't like him personally, that doesn't matter. They did not like the fact that he was a nationalist, that he was putting America first. They are internationalists, they're globalists, and they wanted to see the United States continue on merging into a world order. And they were afraid that Trump was gonna stop that. He was, and he was gonna wake up the country. Plus they had financial reasons for disliking him. And then you had the rest of the Trump haters, the people that you and I know, in, you know, not the, the normies, as I like to call them. They are sucked in by this, this, this coordinated media attack, which they were, they were conscious. People like, you know, I mean, Rachel Maddow, she knows better. She's fully conscious. She's part of this attempt to destroy Trump for political reasons. But they get wrapped up in this drumbeat of propaganda and, uh, almost hypnotic attacks on him daily. And they, they, they come to hate him without knowing why. They cannot really articulate it. And the media totally lost its standard of, of, of um, reportage. They would report on you know, one anonymous source. Then the next day they would, they would extract the story in a small print, including the New York Times, and, and, you know, meanwhile, the damage was done and they came up with these false, ridiculous attacks and they would, they would act on them. I mean, the, the, the perfect phone call that led to the impeachment is a perfect example. I mean, it's, 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 it's just the most corrupt thing 
that, that I've ever seen. I remember all three networks did a major story on Donald Trump ordering an extra scoop of ice cream at a state dinner. <laughs> Why was this a story? I mean, who cares? It's like this, somehow this is supposed to be seen as bad. Anyway, you know, it's just, and, and meanwhile, there's real stories going on that were completely ignored. No, and then again, it's all it's all because his personality, the, the, the left is so inconsistent. The double standards are so glaring, but you can't it doesn't matter. You can play. I mean, look, I, I posted something uh, online uh, last week or something uh, where I, I have a pretty big following in social media. And I found a story about the Black Panthers, 24 fully armed Black Panthers with assault weapons marched into the Sacramento, California state capitol in 1967. State Capitol, that, is, that, this, that looked a lot more like an insurrection than what we saw on January 6th. Mm. Uh, and this is during a time of real racism, when white privilege did exist. And, you, you, you know, where there were white supremacists, everybody, that was, that was the, the, a different time. What happened was, sir, surely, I said, they must have been hung in the public square, executed on the spot. I mean, something must have happened, right? Nothing. The police calmly talked to them and uh, took their weapons and sent them on their merry way. Not, they didn't even get a fine. And I tried to, and, and all I got was no comparisons, apples to oranges. Well, yeah, it's no comparison because there are 24 black people with weapons. So you can't say anything because political correctness. But if that was, uh, and, and if that was the, I said, if there, what happened on January 6th, if nothing changed, everything else was identical, whatever it was, however many infiltrators, whatever it was, if the only thing that changed was that the people were there for a Black Lives Matter rally and they marched into the Capitol under that banner, you, no one would, if, and if you had called it an insurrection, you would have been called a traitor. I mean, yeah, they, 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 they lost some of, they burned St. John's Church down, yes, they, yeah. which uh, every president since, since Madison has, has prayed at that church, I think with the exception of Kennedy because he's Catholic, but you know, they, and, and Trump went out to for a, a show of force to say, we're not going to be cowed by this. And he stood up and held up a Bible in front of it, saying that this is yeah. a religious institution. And somehow they keep showing this. as It was ridiculed. Yeah. But why? They don't explain why. <laughs> it's just somehow because it's Trump. This is seen as something bad. It's almost like they're, they're almost blowing up into our face the level of brainwashing. Anyway, uh, De uh, Donald uh, Jeffries, um, talk about your books and where people can can find out more about your excellent work. You've got a fascinating shelf of books up there at Amazon oh. Books. Well, thank you. I, I uh, my and I'm going to have another book coming out this year later this year, which is about showbiz. Oh, uh, it hasn't been published yet, yet, so I'm going to talk about corruption there. It'd be called Unborrowed Fame, but then look for that down the road. But my latest book is Bullyocracy, about bullying in schools, how the social uh, hierarchy enables bullies to rule schools, workplaces, and society at large. Very pertinent time, very relevant to today. Uh, Survival of the Rich is my economic book, and my two big sellers are Hidden History and Crimes and Cover-Ups, and I'll be working on Hidden History 3 as well. That's the ones people want. They love the conspiracy books about history. So uh, they're easy yep. to find. My, my blog is donaldjeffries.wordpress.com. You can find me at Don Jeffries uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm easy to find out there. If you Google me, you'll find probably more than you want to. All right. Well, Donald Jeffries, I want to thank you as always for joining me this afternoon. My pleasure. Thank, thanks, Charles. All right. Take care. Take care. You too. All right.